Welcome to MCU Complete Me, the podcast where we talk about all the Marvel movies and decide if they're good or if they're bad. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me as always is Luke. You had me at hey. And we have a guest. It's Sam. Hello. Sam, you you have described yourself. Would you describe yourself as a Marvel head? Uh, I would. I, I think my, um, uh, my resume for being a guest on this podcast is that leading up to the first Avengers movie, me and my roommate at the time... Uh, and didn't just watch all the MCU films. We watched every single movie based on a Marvel property. Oh, okay, yeah. Dang. Yeah, and uh, we recorded videos after each one. It was a nightmare that we then repeated immediately afterwards, watching all the DC films before Dark Knight Rises. (laughs) Okay, before Dark Knight Rises. The worst ones hadn't come out yet then. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, it was great at the time. Yeah, no, it was, uh, that marathon was rough. Because the MCU was very good. Not every Marvel movie. <laughs> Back to that, like, unreleased Fantastic Four and the 90s Captain America. I am uh, I'm very glad that we have you guesting on a movie that I dislike less than most of them, so I don't have to be mean about movies you like. Well, that's what I, I figured coming on that I was I was going to be the, the, the fanboy defender right. of all things Marvel. Mm-hmm. Sam, would you like to put your, your grades onto the spreadsheet? My grades? What does that even... I don't even know what that means. At the beginning of the very first one of these, I just offhandedly asked Crystal if she had to give Iron Man a letter grade, what would it be? And she turned it into, we now have an entire college transcript for the MCU. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't have to look at it because I don't want your scores to be influenced. Oh, okay, God. So you're just wanting my letter grade for this movie? Yeah, I'm just going to... I'm going to go down the list for each each of the films. Uh, Sam, what's your opinion on the Iron Man from A plus to F minus? Ooh, um, it's got to be A, right? Okay, an A. Just from having started it all and kind of setting the tone for all, especially a lot of the early films. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about The Incredible Hulk? I give that movie a B, which is more than I think most people would give it. I don't think, I don't think it's the highest grade it has on here, so... Really? <laughs> Weirdly, we've managed to find the Incredible Hulk defenders by doing this show. I mean, that's uh, the, the I remember at the time thinking that it was a better movie than Iron Man, uh-huh. but that Iron Man was more enjoyable. Okay, okay. I don't know if I I don't know if I still have that opinion, but I distinctly remember at, even at the time, yeah, feeling like a Incredible Hulk hipster. I, see, I, I was see. like, no, guys, it's great. Yeah, no, uh, I've, another former guest, uh, AJ, friend of the show, put Incredible Hulk as the best Marvel movie, so. Ooh, wow, uh-huh. that's, that's bold. Uh-huh. I would, I, I'm going to argue against him, even though he's not here. That's fine. We all do. Only because, 
of all of the like one of the things that makes the MCU what it is is the interconnectedness right. of the the movies yeah. and that has among the lowest interconnectivity. Well, you know, it's got it's he's he's fighting a guy with Captain America juice. Like the only person from that has made it from in more than movies from that I think is Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. Listen, the Incredible Hulk, you know, it's set up the leader. It's not its fault that the rest of the MCU didn't follow through. I mean, that's fair, but it just makes me sad because I really wanted him to be the leader. Did not expect to go into this being devil's advocate for The Incredible Hulk, (laughs) a movie I dislike. I actually prefer the kind of subtle connectivity that they had back then where, yeah, you know, this is Captain America stuff that's happening. We don't, Chris Evans isn't going to show up. We don't need to do a whole thing. It's just, you understand it's Captain America. Right. Uh-huh. Well, though, that, which is funny because my favorite bit of connectivity in, in the MCU is in Thor The Dark World, where Chris Evans shows up as Loki yeah. pretending to be Captain America. Great scene. Is indicative of one of my favorite things about the MCU, which is just, like, the casual crossover. Like, Bruce Banner at the end of Iron Man 3, just like, oh, yeah, he's been here. Like, he's who Tony was narrating to. Like, little stuff like that that you would get in the comics, but that normally you would never expect to see in movies because you have to, like, pay actors or something. Right. And, like, contracts, and there's this whole thing, and it just seemed like a, a problem that would always exist, and that they've managed to do that is is one of the things that I most love about it. Well, thank you for com- thank you for coming to my TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. Okay, now now we're up to th- the third movie. Okay. How m- there's only a couple more, right? After this. Yeah, only like, like four, four or five or ten. <laughs> All right, I'll try to I'll try to go through these a little quicker. Oh my god, I, I need to try really hard to give some movies below a C. You'll have to. It's gonna be. It's gonna be like. I don't know. I feel like I want to respect the grading curve. You can be the easy so professor that all the kids like sign up for just because they need a uh, you know an easy A on the transcript. That's fine. I mean, if we're talking about MCU films, I'm absolutely exactly that. Right. Uh, let's see. Iron Man two. It would be a C plus, but it's going to go to B minus solely because of Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's great in that movie. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like it's going yeah. up. It's going up to a B minus. Right. No, because uh, yeah, Sam Rockwell is amazing. Uh, Thor. Thor. I really liked the first Thor movie. I, I like a, probably a, also a B minus. Captain America, the first Avenger. Ooh. I'm going to say A minus for that one. Okay. Uh, the Avengers. The Avengers. That's, it's, hmm. I, I, I feel like I want to give it an A plus. You said that was the, that was the top of the, the grading chart. I can't go above that. Yeah. A plus is, is the top. But yeah. I, I think it. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to go with A plus for that one. Agreed. Am I the first column here, Crystal? Yeah, you're the first column. Yeah, so I've only given A pluses to non MCU Marvel movies like Venom, an A plus film. If I ever saw one, <laughs> I Venom is amazing. What a wild movie! I need to rewatch Venom. I my favorite thing about Venom is how a lot of my friends beforehand told me like, oh, it's totally a like a superhero movie about a polyamorous relationship. And I was like, no, 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 I've been on Tumblr. I've you guys can turn anything into anything. No, it kind of is that. But yeah, but then I watched it. And then I was like, well no, you're right. Holy like fuck. It was just amazingly character driven in a way that I did not expect, but I also love Tom Hardy. Uh Thor the Dark World. Ooh. I'm sorry, I skipped one. Iron Man three. Ooh, Iron Man 3, probably a, a C+, plus, but only because I haven't seen it in a while. I feel like I'm being harsh on it, but C+. Thor The Dark World. 
D. Wow. <laughs> like I, I'm just again because I'm just trying to like make sure that I because I think that's probably going to be my lowest rated brunt one. So I want to like make sure that I I have room. <laughs> so that's that'll be my that'll be my low part. I'm sorry that no one else likes Thor: The Dark World but you, Crystal. I did. Ty liked it. Oh, did Ty? <laughs> don't well. Don't get me wrong. Uh, like. This is in... I'm judging these in the context sure. of the MCU. Right, right, right. Like, Thor The Dark World is the worst MCU movie, but I still really love it, which is probably why I'm a fan of the MCU. That's fair. Captain America The Winter Soldier. Ooh, Winter Soldier. That's A. Okay. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. A minus. Avengers Age of Ultron. C plus. Ant-Man. Ooh. B plus. Captain America, Civil War. Mm, I'm torn between A and A+. Plus. You gotta pick uh, one. It gave, A+, plus, it gave us Spider-Man. Uh, Doctor Strange. I think, like, B? Just a, a straight B? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. A. Spider-Man Homecoming. Man, these movies are so great. A. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, man, that is, that's just a really nice bunch of movies all at once. Yeah, they got a nice little run there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's... I'll say A-. minus. Uh, Black Panther. Ooh, A. Avengers Infinity War. A+. plus. Oh, wow. Uh, Captain Marvel. Like a B+. Plus? All right, wait, what did I give Doctor Strange? B? B. I'll give it B. Okay. I'll put it on par with Doctor Strange. Uh, Avengers Endgame. A+. Plus. And Spider-Man Far From Home. So far. He's so far from home. Um, yeah, he's been farther. <laughs> he has been farther. That's You've been true. to space. <laughs> um, far from home. Um, A-. Minus. No, wait. It, it has... Wait. It had, hold on. It had, it, had JK, it had J.K. Simmons. It's an A. It goes back to A. It goes back to A. <laughs> Yeah, it gets a full. It gets a full bump. Sam, thank you for raising the G, the total GPA of Marvel considerably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely for sure. Uh, it does not surprise me at all. Yeah. Not. Oh, I guess Crystal gave one movie an A minus, and I've given none of them above a B plus. <laughs> if if the listeners or Sam would like to check check out the list, you can see it at uh, bits.ly slash Marvel GPA. I was going to do that, but then you would just hear me clicking a whole bunch. You, yeah, you're clicking a whole bunch and getting progressively angrier at me, which might not be great for a podcast. <laughs> That's true. Just like halfway through. How I just dare start. you? It said, why don't we work out our feelings on uh, Ant-Man 2 colon and the Wasp? <laughs> that cannot possibly be what it's called. It is not. And because I... <laughs> no fun. No fun when Sam's around. Uh-huh. <laughs> Only joy of <laughs> the MCU. Uh-huh. No, it's just called Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's uh, famously celebrated, given awards, for being the first Marvel movie to have a woman in the title. Did it... Huh. Oh, yeah, it was... Wait, was it before Captain Marvel? Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Captain Marvel's oh. next. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, I guess it's gone backwards. Yeah, Marvel definitely put out press releases that are, that are like, we are excited to advance the cause of woman in film by putting out the first Marvel movie with oh, a that... woman in the title. Oh, boy, oh, boy. It, it, it kind of has two, if you want to be real nerdy about it. Oh, yeah, because there are two the Wasps. There there are two Ant-Men and two the Wasps. Yeah, you yeah. might not know from this film. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> they really should have called it Ant Men and the Wasps. Well, except it's also it's about the relationships between all of those characters, right? Including like Scott and Janet, like they have that connection, so they can also be Ant Man and the Wasp. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I see. You know, what the you're whole father daughter sure, yes. thing. Oh yeah, no, I can get real nerdy. Yeah. Like, as, like I'll write an essay about it. Uh-huh, Sam, what's uh-huh. your history with this film? I don't. What do you mean by that? Like, did you see this when it came out? Oh yeah. Uh, I, there. There have only been two MCU films uh, that I did not see opening weekend, um, and there have been none that I didn't see in theaters. Wow. Uh, And the only two that I didn't see opening weekend was Thor and Captain America First Avenger, because I was in the hospital for six months of that year. So I didn't make it to those. That's (laughs) fair. Except I I did end up making it out like in the middle of my hospital stay to go see Thor, like my first time out of the hospital was to go watch Thor. Um, and I even had it, uh, I had it pirated cause I was in the hospital and nothing else to do. And I was like, Ooh, I kind of want to pirate this cause I love MCU. But then it got to the scene where they were like riding across the rainbow bridge before they get to uh, Jotunheim. Mm. And I was like, this is too gorgeous for me to watch a crappy bootleg, like on a tiny Chromebook in a hospital. <laughs> So I, I I waited and saw it in theaters. Yeah. That wasn't the question. I got distracted. Yeah, you're fine. You're uh, so fine. yeah, no, I saw it uh I saw it opening opening weekend and I mean I, I really enjoyed it. Just because I'm a I'm a big um Paul Rudd fan. Yeah. To start with. I think most folks are. Oh yeah. It's it, like it's I I feel like it would be hard to not be a fan of Paul Rudd. He's just made out of charm. Yeah. We're going to find out one day that he, like, eats children, and it's going to be a real bummer. No, well, then we'll all just go, oh, that's what we need to do, eat children? All right. I mean, if it's good enough for Paul Rudd, it's... Well. (laughs) I did not see this film in the theater because I didn't feel like it. Instead, (laughs) I acquired a very legal, uh, high-definition cam rip and watched it on my personal computer and thought it was pretty good. Right after I just talked about how terrible the quality was in those... That's also how I watched Iron Man 3. I watched, yeah, that's probably fine. I watched a Blu-ray rip of this movie like a few hours before we started recording. And I thought, oh, it was okay. That, I mean, that, I'm, I'm glad that I revisited it because uh, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I was kind of lukewarm on the first Ant-Man. I like this one a good bit better. Yeah, I think it, uh, it it improves on a lot of the things that Ant-Man already did well. Yeah. Like, it... it 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 does a sequel the right way, Definitely. which is like fixing problems and doing the good stuff and making it cooler. I think we previously described Ant-Man as like a big budget ABC family film. And I get that even more from this one. This feels like <laughs> a film that. that's... That's designed to be watched with commercial breaks. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely... <laughs> Scott's fair. Scott needs to get his life together. <laughs> Cut to him playing the drums. <laughs> Well, like it is, it is. It's weird because, like, it is a very family-focused story. Yeah. So it's it's, it's that's actually a really good point because I never thought about that because it does also feel like those kind of movies. Ooh, I took notes. I took notes for this too. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go through uh, beat by beat of the film, broadly speaking. Yeah. We open uh, with a flashback to describe what happened to the wasp. And this is where this is where I say my one negative thing about this movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I'm willing to forgive so much. Pim particle bullshit. Yep, I think you. Because <laughs> think we're synced man, up here. <laughs> shrinking down to go subatomic to get through steel in a missile is just like I can't. 
Like, nothing else in the Ant-Man movies makes me go, well, that's not how that works. Like, I can suspend my disbelief through all the other nonsense, but for some reason... Even in the first one, when they mentioned it, that really bothered me for some reason. I can buy the idea that, okay, they can shrink so small to go between the atoms of it, even though the way they described shrinking in the first movie doesn't isn't compatible with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. But what I can't accept is they're talking about, there was just no way in unless we went subatomic, while they're looking at a seam in the metal that is clearly oh, yeah. larger than subatomic. And then, like, we see her, like, punching through wires and stuff after she's gone through. And I'm like, well, wait, then that means you got not, you got bigger then, so you can't be trapped in the quantum realm? Yeah. Like, it's, I don't know, for some reason. The the best explanation I can come up with to, like, try to make this make sense is it's not that she has to go through the molecules of the metal or whatever. It's that she has to, like, the suit has a safety limit on how small you can go, and once you turn that off... It just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until it can't stop. But that's not Mm. what they say. (laughs) That isn't what they say. But also, we are told this directly from Hank Pym, so he could just be, like, dumbing it down for Scott. Yeah, I re-listened to our Ant-Man episode, and we settled on the idea the only way you can make sense of the shrinking uh, technology explanations is if Hank Pym doesn't actually understand anything that he's made and is just kind of guessing at how it works. He's, like, discovered electricity, and he doesn't actually know what electricity does, but he knows how to use it. I mean, that, I feel like the the Ant-Man and the Wasp actually supports that idea. Yeah. Because we see his relationship with uh, Goliath. Right. And we see, like, oh, maybe he's not, like, the smartest guy in the room. Right, right. Even though he comes across that way. Uh, Like... He has this big plan to bring his wife back, and then his wife has to be like, you fucking did the math wrong, dummy. Right. Like, here, I'll fix it. So, like, I do like this idea that for all of Hank's bravado, he is he also has no idea. He found this thing. He can make the particles, but right. beyond that. I don't know, but you see my sweet tank key ring? It's great. <laughs> Ever since Scott came up with the brilliant idea to take the Grow Big disc into the quantum realm, they're like, maybe we can go in and get Janet back. Yeah. And here, here's here's a broad structural beef with this film. Okay. Yeah. The plot of this movie is we got it. We got to get Janet back because Janet's so great. Right. Janet's barely in the fucking movie. Well, yes. <laughs> I think Paul Rudd might have more screen time as Janet than Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> you, yeah, you might be right about that. I mean, it's certainly close. It's closer than you would expect. Yeah. I don't know. My structural problem with the movie is that it doesn't seem like all of the stakes are just arbitrarily there. Yeah, it is very much a case of, like, other than the arms dealer guy, if everyone just shut the fuck up, sat down, and had a conversation for, like, 15 minutes, there would not be a movie. Well, that well that part, I didn't actually even mind that much. Like, the, the, the ghost and Goliath, like, not really being bad guys. Like, sure. The fact that there's not really an antagonist in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I kind of am into but, yeah, like, the fact that it's like, oh, no, we, we only have this one chance to save her, and it happens to be, like, two days before you're off house arrest. Right. We can't just wait a little bit and, yeah. like, let you just leave the house. Right, they, keep, they do keep introducing more time limits, like when Janet says, oh, the quantum clouds won't line up again for another hundred years. Yeah, we just coincidentally figured this out just in time for this. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's th- that I will absolutely also concede. <laughs> Those are the kind of things that were like, 
in, in a sense, they're just kind of nitpicks, because, yeah, of course there's, like, limits and time limits and whatnot. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a movie, and we want to watch a movie. Like, th- there's maybe more oh, yeah, elegant absolutely. ways to do that stuff, but, ah, whatever. Yeah, but here's a movie you could have. What if you got Janet back at, like, the halfway point, and then she was in the film? Sure. And, yeah, no, I'm with you was, on that. And had, gone, and had gone quantum mad, and then she's the antagonist. Yeah. She's got the quantum madness. It, it definitely does kind of seem like a waste of Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, also, here's my other gripe about this movie. Uh, I have nothing against Michelle Pfeiffer. It should have been Catherine Zeta-Jones. Now, why is that? Well, one, she's already married to Michael Douglas. Okay, So sure. they have chemistry. They have an, like a real-life age gap between Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones uh-huh. that is nearly identical to if the quantum realm time doesn't really work the way it normally does. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, sure. she would be the correct age for them to have been the same age at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, Catherine Zeta-Jones just looks like Janet Van Dyne already. That's fair. Like, she probably would have played Hope or Janet if, like... 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I I think for me it's just a case of like basically any female actor could get, do the role they wrote for this movie just fine. You know what I mean? They don't really ask that much of her. No. Here, come over here and touch people's faces for a bit. Yeah, just just lovingly touch a person's face and uh, we'll edit in some glowy and uh, I don't know, then hug Michael Douglas. It's fine. And we'll call it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap on Janet. Here's what's going on in Scott's life. He got a really good plea deal from the United Nations. Uh-huh. Two years house arrest and three years probation. That's all you get for... Uh, terrorism he, uh well uh he did kind yeah, of fuck up like, an airport yeah but you know tony stark paid for it it's fine yeah it's fine it's fine it's a victimless terrorist listen act. i'm still grumpy that he's in that movie at all <laughs> <laughs> oh really it's it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me that he would agree to go help fight with captain america he like just got his family back together and then he's like oh yeah no sure i'll fuck off and do a bunch of nonsense yeah but i mean Captain America. Yeah, but we're given no reason to believe that Scott in particular, like, cares about Captain... He's been in prison. He doesn't know what's been going on. (laughs) Like, all he cares about is his daughter. That is the one thing that matters to him in the world. And he immediately puts, like, his freedom in jeopardy again for no, like, well-explained reason. Yeah, but, you know, we need a giant man in there somewhere, We didn't, though. We could have him in this movie. (laughs) You know, they were going to have the Wasp in that movie, too, but decided against it so they could debut her in this, the first Uh, uh, Marvel film with a woman in the title. Is that that true? Yes, that is true. Wow. That makes... So there's a scene in this movie where, like, she's complaining about Scott not taking her with her to Germany, and I absolutely love that even more than... If that is kind of the actress being like, why wouldn't, what, what the hell, man? Why wouldn't I be Come in on. the Civil War? What, what am I, Thor to you? Come on. <laughs> Scott's got a good relationship with, with uh, his ex-wife and his ex-wife's husband, so that, that's cool to see. He has a really good relationship with his ex-wife and his ex-wife's husband, and we talked about Venom being a superhero movie about polyamorous relationships. I don't know. I think maybe uh, uh, Scott and, you know, the other guy whose name I don't remember, I think they might do some kissing sometimes. Oh, yeah? Like, at the very like at the very least, well, at the very least, they have, like, a vibe of, like, I mean, arguably they are polyamorous. Yeah. In a way, like, they are still a family unit because of the daughter. Oh, sure. They're definitely a family unit. Like, the first movie ended with, like, they're all eating dinner together. Like, they're they're a family. I guess that's true. Yeah, they're not, like, they are a polycule, but they are... <laughs> 
Right, like, Scott's not, you know, you know, they've gotten married, and Scott respects that, but he still loves his daughter, and he hangs around, he's like a, f- you know, friend to them. They're just very affectionate in every scene they're in together. And I loved it. I was like, <laughs> yes, more, like, just affection Yeah. On in action movies. Yeah, yeah. Scott also has a friendly relationship with his, uh... FBI agent watching over him, Jimmy Woo. Oh my god, I'm so excited that he's going to be in WandaVision. Oh, is he? That's, oh yeah? That's good. Yeah. I am so stoked. I love Randall Park. He's I've loved him in basically everything I've seen him in. Uh, I have him uh, in my notes. I have Randall Park as a national treasure. Yeah, I will say <laughs> that's all uh, I have written down. For this movie, I, I smirked at it plenty. I only got two honest to god laughs out of it, uh, and he was one of them in this first scene he shows up in, where he like reads off the entire like legalese of the law oh, Scott broke to his so daughter. Good. And just the, the line that got me to like break was just when Scott's like, "Wow, you're really good with kids." Oh yeah, thanks. I'm a youth pastor on the side. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, he had that energy. Like, it was just... Yeah, he's got intense youth pastor energy. Right, Cassie asks him, like, why why does he have to hassle her dad so much? And he uh, gets on one knee and explains to her that, you know, in school you have rules. And if you read Michelle Foucault's Discipline and Punish, you will know that school (laughs) is structured like a prison. Right. Which is also what your father is in. (laughs) Laws are just threats made by the ruling class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm... I I'm, was very stoked uh, that he was in this and delightful. It kind of fills the Coulson void mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, I would like to see him show up again as a Coulson-like recurring character. I mean, because like, he's a known actor. Like, I, I feel like that is clearly like part of their plan. Sure. Oh, yeah, because yeah, Jimmy Woo is like, a, a known character in the comics. Like, Okay, okay. What's Jimmy Woo's deal? Uh, I oh god, uh, I only read Wikipedia stuff. <laughs> um, like I think he's just uh, like not quite like Guardians of the Galaxy level, but I think he like deals with like weird sort of like a, the Defenders version of Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, mm-hmm. is my guess. I could be way wrong. Yeah, because doesn't he work for like a basically like a Hellboy type place? Like a I, I know nothing about Jimmy Woo, so you could tell me anything. I'll believe you. <laughs> Well, no, but then I would be lying. It's a whole thing. Uh, Jesus, yeah, he first appeared in, like, the 50s. Oh, wow, really? Huh. Anyway, Randall Park is good. Randall yeah. Park's great. Scott has has a dream where he dreams that he's Janet. But why is, why is this happening? Uh, well, because he got a quantum entanglement with Janet when he went into the quantum realm. Why? Because uh, she's in the quantum realm, and he was also there, and they got entangled. Yeah, it's quantum. Don't worry about it. I, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of this movie is, is quantum, don't worry about it, but... No, you know, what, you know what it is? You know what it is, Crystal? It's pim particles. Oh, it's pim particles. Okay. Yeah, it's the that's why. Wibbly-wobbly, shrinky-winky stuff. Like, wh- one thing I thought that this movie might be about back when Ant-Man 1 came out is we have to go into the quantum realm to get Janet. And that is what the movie is about. It just doesn't happen until near the end of the movie. Yeah, you would think that they're, like, exploring the quantum realm and, like, learning more about it, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. do you guys, have you guys heard what the sequel to this is going to be called? I have not. Quantumania. Oh, okay. So I think, I think we are going to go visit the quantum realm in that one. <laughs> It's like in the first movie, it was, oh, you can't do the Wasp in this movie. Wait for the sequel for that, because that's how we structured this trilogy. And there, it felt like a bunch of very arbitrary excuses for why she couldn't just get in the suit. Yeah. And then this movie also, it feels like they just keep coming up with excuses for I can't see too much of the quantum realm yet. 
<laughs> oh, hold on. We're still not sure how we want to, you know, visually design it. That's a lot of things to commit to. Let's right. just use some fuzzy colors and shapes for now. Yeah, Scott gets a weird dream where he, he sees himself as Janet, and then he calls Hank. He's like, I had a weird dream. Uh, now that I tell you about my weird dream, it doesn't really make any sense. Sorry for bothering you. Bye. <laughs> Yeah. Can I can I please can I please have Paul Rudd call me just in the middle of the night telling me about a dream he had and then feel bad and hang up. Here's a scene that made me laugh. Uh Scott's just watching TV eating cereal and then he gets uh tranquilized by like a blow dart and he's yeah. like, "Huh, that was weird." Then he goes back to eating cereal, then Wait, he just slumps he, over. He's swatting it like yeah, a bug. A one- he thinks he got like stung by a bee or something and he ah, but he didn't. He got stung by a wasp. Oh, yeah, like happens all the time when you're sitting in your own home, you get stung by a bee. He was, like, swatting at it first. Like, he knew it was there. He just was ignoring it. <laughs> you know, that is true, though. I have never had a situation where there's a, like, bee or a wasp floating around me, and I'm just like, I'm just ignoring it. It's fine. Well, he's, like, he his friends with animals or insects. That's so. true. That is true. I do like that bit of uh, Paul Red physical comedy when he falls over. Is a really good moment. But he wakes up in a Hope Van Dyne's car, and she explains, you know... <laughs> If you really hurt her, you you gotta help us uh, find her because we're building a tunnel to the quantum realm. And he's and on his side, he's like, "Oh fuck, shit! Oh my god, I'm going to get like put in prison because you kidnapped me. This sucks." Uh, but it turns out he's in a tiny car, so it's fine. It's an itty bitty car. And uh, yeah, they've programmed an ant to carry out all of his daily activities so that no one will know that he's gone because they they attach his like ankle monitor to the ant. Here's a question for y'all. Okay. They mentioned that uh, uh, both Hope and Hank Pym are on the run. They're fugitives because their tech was used in Germany, so they're implicated too. Right. Why couldn't they take a plea deal? Uh, my guess is that would involve Hank having to like give over his research. Yeah, and he would that would not make sense. Want to do that? He's willing to to give up everything just to not. Sh- uh, no, that makes sense. Actually, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Uh-huh. But then why are they so mad at Scott about it? Yeah. I I think they are, perhaps, a little unfair to Scott in this movie. What with the part where they kidnap him and uh, guilt trip him into helping them, and then get huffy when he tries to, like, lift a finger to defend himself about anything. <laughs> I mean, that kind of checks out with the dynamics of these characters. Right. Just every time they're <laughs> mad at him because he needs to, like, run home so he doesn't go to prison. Like, what? fucking relax he is doing his best <laughs> leave scott lang alone yeah. anyway yeah she takes him to uh like sort of a like not run down apartment building but it looks a little like you know not in great shape and scott again just being a nice person to them even though they're not they do not reciprocate that he's like hey if you guys are like having money troubles i can i can try to help out <laughs> He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's the bravest. He's the bravest boy in the MCU. Yeah. There's a rather extended scene where Scott mentions in the dream he was playing hide and seek, and for two minutes he's interrogated about like hide and seek with a girl. Where was she hiding? Oh, yeah. what did the what did the what did the thing look like? Did it have horses on it? it? Just seemed like a weird use of time in this film. Yeah, they do. Like you get it like much sooner than uh, they allow you to get it. This is one of the most films that, despite being one of the shorter ones, a tight two hours, you could cut this to 90. Oh, yeah. But they do get more creative with the uh, size content in this film, because you can do things like, oh, the building shrinks, and it looks like a little uh, luggage. 
I love that building so much. And again, does not make sense. It should not. It should weigh as much as a building, or it should be an inflatable building they when it's big. They <laughs> say in the first movie that the way the shrinking works is you push the molecules together, so you're not any lighter, you're denser. That's why Ant Man punches yeah, hurt so bad. It's, it's fine. That, it's, it's pin particles. They broke that rule constantly in the first movie already. Anyway, it's fine. Oh yeah, the the tank alone is. Yeah. But again, it's worth it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> My thing is, like, just don't have that dialogue in there. Don't explain it, and I won't nitpick it, you know? Just be like, ah, it's shrinky tech, don't worry about it, scat. Right, you even have the framework of Scott being a, a stupid man, despite having an engineering right. degree. So you right. can have it be like, he's explaining it, but only it's all Scott hears is blah, 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 blah. So no details. Yeah. It's like, okay, so I push this button, I go little. That's right. And Scott does have a master's in electrical engineering, huh? I actually was going to say, I like that Scott is a very smart man. He's just not sci-fi action movie smart, so he seems like a dipshit in most scenes. Like, he's very intelligent until people start using techno babble, and then he's like, all right, you're just making words up. Stop it. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I love the line, like, did you just put quantum in front of everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is though my favorite snarky Scott comment is uh, calling out the disguises that they get. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the baseball hat and, and sunglasses, because that is a, a dig at the MCU. Because <laughs> it was like a meme for a while that all the characters, like, their idea of going incognito was a baseball hat and sunglasses. So they just immediately make fun of that in this movie. It's like, we're just, we look, we're disguised as ourselves at a baseball game. Like, like wonderful. Great. To, to make the, the quantum terminal work, they need a special component, and they need to get it from a favorite character in this film, uh, Sonny Birch, played by character actor Walton Goggins. Do you like Walton Goggins? Yeah, yeah, he's fun in this movie. He's fun to me because he feels like the villain of a completely different movie who wandered yes. into a Marvel movie. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. That's what I said. Like, because like, remember, I said, like, this movie doesn't have an antagonist, like, a real antagonist, maybe, like, arguably Ghost, but, right. like, but like the, he's the closest that they have, and yeah. yeah, he's he's not. He's like a secondary villain to no one. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cops are kind of the the main antagonist. Yeah, pretty much. Is this the most anti-cop Marvel movie? Uh, yeah, I think it's both the most anti-cop and the most like anti-military Marvel movie, which is especially funny considering that Captain Marvel's next, which is, from what I understand, a two-hour-long Air Force commercial. Oh yeah, Th this is. I think this is one of the only movies where Shield is portrayed as unambiguously evil. Yeah, and they kind of have the out that it was technically happening during the time when Hydra was secretly running Shield, but they don't mention that the U.S. military is just kind of bad in this movie they do bad things to an innocent child oh the uh the ghosts yeah. like backstory yeah oh yeah that's you know it's in science stuff right <laughs> it had to happen it's important <laughs> to be fair there are a lot of characters like that on the agents of shield tv show like bad guys on that that are yep it was just like hydra shield experimenting on them right right uh but yeah walter goggins wants to instead of just selling the part that they want to buy from him he wants to go into business with them to found a new like quantum business <laughs> we have to do some quantum money he's like our oh, quantum energy is the next wave of the future he doesn't have any specific like products or services he wants to sell he just does uh quantum right he wants to run a vc scam yeah and he's like, oh, I've already got buyers lined up for you. You know, they've a billion dollars right away. Right, right, right. 
And uh, I've already she, taken a lot of money, so I really need this. Yeah, she says no, and he's like, "Oh, my buyers aren't the kind of people you can say no to." I really thought like a post credit scene was going to reveal that his like buyers were was some you know fun villain or something. They're like secretly oh, yeah. he'd been the secondary villain to some other like super villain this whole time, but nah. Which I mean, they might eventually go that way, but sure. yeah, no. For this, it was totally yeah. just the Mandarin. <laughs> he's finally back. He's coming back in uh, Shang-Chi. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, and he was... Because I love uh, um, All Hail the King, mm-hmm. the uh, the Marvel short right? Uh, that has uh, Ben Kingsley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we find out that, yeah, like, oh, yeah, there was that he was the fake Mandarin, but there was also a more real Mandarin that was pissed. I kind of... I, I think we've talked... I don't like that. I just like that the Mandarin is uh, fiction. That's good to me. Well, I... I would like that on its own, except the fact that, like, well, I guess, I don't know, how long has AIM guy been doing it? I was like, because we had, like, Mandarin and the Ten Rings stuff in the first Iron Man movie. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, I guess. But, right. Anyway, we get a cool fight scene. I like this fight scene. Oh, the, yeah, the, the ghost swap. Yeah, they, they have, the, they, like, figured out how to do the shrinky powers in action scenes that in a much more fun way than they were in the first one like they were okay but like now they do a lot of like shrink to dodge then grow back to punch back or like that kind of thing it's fun oh yeah the cg looks a lot better in this one yes yeah i was gonna say that too they've also got the size effects looking better than uh than ant-man one did yeah a lot of the effects in ant-man one felt like okay we're gonna cut to an animated film for the next uh 15 seconds and this looks like oh there's a guy on the set there are chunks that kind of feel a little yeah animated film but less so for sure one of my f- favorite small uh, parts, like small scenes in this, was uh, during the car chases at the end, where like it's just tiny little debris, but it looks like they're in a freaking like apocalypse movie when it gets to the end car shot. It's like all oh, this debris going by, and then you cut to the wide, and it's just like a brick. Like is great. See, I told you, I'm just going to show up here and say how great everything is. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, the Wasp beats up everybody real good, but then she gets ghosted. <laughs> Who is she? She's like a ghost. I love, I want a compilation of all the lines where they say a character's comic book name. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Some kind of ironmonger. She phases in and out like a ghost. You'd be an abomination. At the end of this fight, uh, they end up losing the portable luggage lab. So they have to go to Scott's friends for help. Louisa started a security business. Yeah. Uh, Also, Hank gives Scott a new Ant-Man suit, but warns him that it's not really finished yet. And that's going to come into play a lot. (laughs) I, I love that elementary school scene so much. Sam, here's a question for you. Yes, here's an answer for you. Can you hit me with the name of all four members of the XCON business? Oh my god. Ooh, like the character names? Yes. No. <laughs> okay, so there's Scott. Yeah, there's Scott, there's Luis, there's Russian guy, and there's black guy. Yeah, okay, yeah. Was... Yeah, one of the guys is just just Borat. Someone's <laughs> doing a Borat impression. Oh my life. I'm, he's going to be Polka Dot Man in the next Suicide Squad movie, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm sure he's a fine actor. They just don't really uh, give him much to do in right. the film. They just have him yell about the Baba Yaga, which, you know what, is a step up from yelling about Romani people, which is what he did in the last movie. That is a step yeah. up. I'm glad they upgraded him like that. <laughs> yeah, especially because that, that was a step down from when he was in uh, The Dark Knight. 
Wait, who's he in The Dark Knight? Oh, he's the cop that, like, almost shoots the lady. Yeah, but, like, the the, the Joker-planted cop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who he interrogates. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but then, you know, you got Luis. He's fun still. Like him. Yeah, running subplot in this film is that the XCOM business has got to land this big this big contract. And they got to go over the, the plans and do the presentation. And Scott's balancing all that while also doing the plot of the film. Right. I mean, he's. I think Scott's just trying to have it all, you know? I, th- I think Scott was had a pretty balanced life, actually, until he got kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that did put a damper on it. Yeah. We see that Ghost has to sleep in a pod. Oh, yeah. I forgot about her <laughs> ghost pod. It's yeah. like Dark Vader. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, God. Is Dark, Darth Vader a ghost? Well, I guess eventually. He sleeps yeah. in a pod in the movie. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Right. I agree. Ant-Man and the Wasp rhymes with the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> really, the, the two movies are so deeply in conversation with one another, you can't analyze one without analyzing the other. They're like opposites because Ant-Man and the Wasp is like a better sequel and The Empire Strikes Back is a worse sequel. Oh, man. Anyway, moving on. I was going to say, I was like, we got to change subjects. Han Solo sucks. I don't like the man. I wish he died. (laughs) He did. Just like Harrison Ford wanted. I mean, he does. He did. He does die eventually. I wish he died in episode four. (laughs) You're you're saying you, you want Greedo to have shot first and hit? Yeah, exactly. Well, he's dead. Guess we can just take his ship now. They make a deal with Greedo. like, my life debt passes to you. Or he's like, I'm free and runs off and we never see him again. So Louise, after talking to Louise, they realize they got to talk to Bill Foster to help them track down the luggage building. Scamp, there's only one guy who can help us here, and it's Lawrence Fishburne. I love Lawrence Fishburne. I love Larry Fish. Wish he got to do more in the film. I do, I do wish that we would have gotten to see him, Goliath. Yeah. At some point, I really thought that he was going to be, like, in at the very end when Scott, like, leaves the suit, makes it big. Right. And runs away. I thought it was going to be Bill Foster in the suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that would have been cool. Oh. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I was, uh, I was Hank's partner back in the old days. I was Goliath. It's so funny to me that the way they've done this, because, like, the early movies try to establish, like, Iron Man invents Iron Man, and that, like, invents the concept of superheroes. But then more and more they have to keep going by, like, well, no, actually, there was Captain America, and uh, Ant-Man, and Goliath, and a Wasp. Really, there was, like, a whole Avengers. We just don't talk about them, though. I mean, to be fair, Tony Stark. Tony Stark is yeah. Tony Stark's a wealthy white man, so of course he thinks he invented everything. You know what? Fair enough. <laughs> also, Nick Fury says in the first film, "You think you're the only superhero in the world?" Oh, that's true. Yeah, they they do actually do that. It's a good point. Yeah, they they have a big conversation with Bill Foster where basically they establish that Hank was an asshole, and that's why they broke up. Uh, they compare the size of each other's dicks. And then it kind of ends with Hank storming out, but Bill says as he's leaving, uh, you need the thing from the old suit. You need the the, the, the refractor from the regulator. Uh, you need the, the thank God for the whatever device. Right, uh-huh. Was that a thank you for smoking reference? Oh, yes, yes, it was. All right. <laughs> Wait, what? Just checking. <laughs> what? <laughs> the line Sam said the thank god for the whatever device is from thank you for smoking because they're talking about like all the time they want to have like uh like you know someone's smoking they're it's like an ad exec t- 
talking about like, oh, we want like the space guy to smoke. He's like, but isn't there like, you can't smoke in space. He's like, eh, well, let's fix it with a line of dialogue. Thank God for the whatever Oh, yes. Device. I remember that scene. I remember being being put off by it because they said, wouldn't it blow up in an all-oxygen environment? And me, Crystal, thought, why would it be an all-oxygen environment? Because they're having a real good time being asphyxiated. Why wouldn't it just be air? You know? I don't know. Well, because air is not flammable, so then they would have to... It's a whole thing. Do they... Is it, the point is, they wanted to say the whatever device line. Is there just, like, normal air on, like, the International Space Station? Now I don't... I, I don't know. I always assume they just pumped oxygen on in there, but I guess that also makes sense if it's just air. It would definitely be air. I would bet any amount of money that it is, it is air and not pure oxygen. Yes. <laughs> Do they use pure oxygen in spaceships? I... No, no. Well, I mean, maybe for fuel, because <laughs> air is only like twenty percent oxygen. Okay, they used to use pure oxygen, and then they had a couple bad explosions, and then they stopped doing it. <laughs> Took them more than one bad oxygen explosion to stop, though. I mean, first time it, could, it was probably a fluke. The astronauts were too high to fly the ship <laughs> on the pure oxygen. You know, like they have the oxygen bars at raves. Is that still a thing? I, is that still a thing? You don't hear much about oxygen bars anymore. I don't know. I went to a rave once 20 years ago, so that's... Right. <laughs> they thought the old suit was destroyed, but actually Scott hid it inside his world's greatest grandma trophy that his beloved daughter got him. I do like the joke of, yeah, she got him, she wanted to get him a trophy, but the only one at the trophy store was world's greatest grandma, and they just roll with it. I like his daughter. She's a cute kid. Their relationship is so good. Uh, they, they made uh, some scenes just for you, Luke. Now, what do you mean by that now? Uh, you know, they made a lot of size content. Yeah, it's, it's, the film is called Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, people are always, all the time, changing sizes, Crystal. What are, what are you getting at here? Well, you know, they stuck into the school and they got the old suit, but he wore uh-huh. the new suit, which had, like, it was, like, malfunctioning because it's a work in progress. Right. So there's a uh-huh. lot of scenes where he, like, shrinks down to be, like, you know, three or four feet tall, but, like, uh-huh. Hope's still, like, a grown woman, so she's, like, towering over him. I swear this is relevant, mm-hmm. but have either of you played Cyberpunk 2077? I haven't. So in Cyberpunk 2077, there are children, but yes. they definitely look like just scaled down adults. <laughs> they just scaled down the and adult is, models. Yeah, and it, it's horrifyingly creepy, oh. but it as soon as Scott showed up as, as that size yeah. in the hallway, right. um, like me and my partner looked at each other and we're like, it's like the adults inside, the kids in cyberpunk. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he like has to wear a hoodie to try to look like a kid. A teacher like tries to yell at him, but doesn't care that much. Which is accurate. <laughs> Set up like prisons. This is the most <laughs> leftist Marvel film. We've finally found the leftist philosophy in the MCU. Finally, they made a communist one. <laughs> every every time they put out a Marvel trailer, the people on the internet say, maybe this one will be communist. Uh-huh. And then they're disappointed when it's not. Right, when actually they had one line that you can kind of take communistly if you want to. <laughs> communistly? Boy. A good word. People sure did amp up how anti-imperialist Thor Ragnarok was gonna be for me. And they sure do have one line where a character says, where do you think all the gold came from? And then they move along. <laughs> yeah, we don't we can't we can't dwell on that. No. God forbid. 
Thor forbid. Anyway, yeah, they, uh, yeah, Scott, he, he gets real big, in, like, a closet, he gets all cramped up in there, he gets, he gets small, kid size. he finds the trophy, and he gets the, the old suit out of it, because that's where he hit it. Fun of him when he's small and try to offer him some, uh, string cheese and, uh, juice box, which honestly, to me, sounds pretty fucking good. It also sounds good to Scott, he's like, wait, do you actually have... Something I was like, I was like, Scott was like, that was, that's patronizing. But do you act like, do you have that though? I will eat string cheese if you have it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not above that. I understand you were being mean, but. <laughs> hey, wait a second. If he gets the old suit back here, why does he keep using the new suit that malfunctions all the time? Because they had to take out the thing. Oh, right. They have to take out the thing. Sure. Okay. <laughs> you know, because pin particles. Right. Pin particles. <laughs> The pin particles in the old suit have gone bad. They they're past their expiration yeah, well, it's date. The, yeah, they don't like they don't, the shelf life on, on them is uh, not that great. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they track where the uh, shrunken lab is, and they have to like go into like a spooky. This is like a she is hanging out in like a wing of like Wayne Manor. <laughs> yeah, what, are there are there lots of like abandoned mansions out in California? There's at least one. Is, is this, maybe this is a family mansion? I don't know. Maybe, yeah, that would make sense. But still, the rent is outrageous. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they find Ghost in her ghost pod, and uh, they're about to steal the thing back, but then she ghosts up, and uh, she gets him, knocks him out, ties him to a dang chair. And then we get Ghost's tragic backstory. Yeah, her dad was uh, the famous Marvel Comics villain Egghead. Wait, I thought that was a Batman villain. It might also be a Batman villain, but it's definitely <laughs> one of the most famous Ant-Man villains, Egghead. Is he is he actually playing Egghead? Yes, he's playing Elias Starr, also known as Egghead. Okay, yeah, I'm I see it now. I had no idea. Oh my god, I did not realize that that was that character. And yeah, Egghead is also a Batman villain. He was on the the TV show. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, they didn't give him an, his uh, iconic egg-shaped head in this film. That's not probably why you didn't recognize I mean, him, right? Of course, Cerberus has kind of an egg-shaped head. But he was a uh, he was a colleague of Doctor Pym's. He disagreed with him on something, and Pym uh, fired him and discredited him, so he could never get honest work as a scientist again. Yeah, blacklisted him, and yeah. So then he kept working uh, in secret. To, uh, you know, produce something valuable with his research and regain his credibility. But he he went off and made a thing explode and he died and his wife died. But his daughter got weird ghost powers that hurt all the time. This is kind of another take on Iron Man 2. A little bit, yeah, yeah. And just like Iron Man 2, they just kind of say it and then move on. I... I get that, like, yeah, he... And Hank has, like, his defense that actually her dad was, like, a traitor who was, like, selling state secrets or whatever, and that's why he reported him. I will believe that he was a shithead to that guy, but also that's very far back in the causal chain that leads to her becoming a ghost lady. Like, it's more her dad's fault than it is Hank's. Well, yeah, but what you have to understand is Pym Particles. Right. So, once you understand Pem Particles, it all makes sense. Yeah. But the idea that she has this vicious, like, thirst for revenge against Hank doesn't make the most sense to me. I don't know that she necessarily does. It's just like, well, he's here, so I can air my grievances. 
Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. who's also here because he's trying to cure a ghost of her ghost disease, is like, uh, she keeps wanting to, you know, kill you and take her revenge, but I've convinced her of, like, blah, 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 you know. She's pretty murdery, but... Yeah. Because also, right, Lawrence Fishburne was hired to try to cure her, but in the meantime, S.H.I.E.L.D. was like, yeah, but what if we had, like, a cool child soldier, though? That might be fun. Which, you know, to be fair, was pretty fun. <laughs> Nothing more fun than a child soldier. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Shield. You know, Nick Fury's just sitting in his office being like, ah, let's just be naughty this time. Uh, look at Hit Girl from Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody's favorite superhero film, Yeah, Kick-Ass. look at the uh, Young Avengers or the Teen Titans. Right. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what is the difference between uh, Shield doing this and, like, uh, Robin? Uh, they imply a lot more coercion here. If anything, Batman actively tries to discourage Robin, but Robin just wants justice and, like, won't, you know. And it's like, well, if you're going to be out there anyway, I want to make sure you're doing it safely, so come with me. That makes sense. You know, I don't think she would be a special forces mercenary if not for S.H.I.E.L.D., you know what I mean? Right. Uh, but yeah, so she, her plan is that Janet Van Dyne is alive in the quantum realm, and she's just been soaking up all that good, good quantum juice over the years, and she just wants to wring her out like a sponge. And if she drinks the quantum, the, the quantum juice out of Janet Van Dyne's body, then she won't have ghost disease anymore. And if you say the word quantum enough, that makes perfect sense. I- Sure, why yeah, not? Yeah, I can't find any, I can't find a fault in it, because it's yeah. uh, all nonsense, so. Right. <laughs> we established that in this scene that Bill and Ava aren't really that villainous. They're not really too menacing, they just kind of want to cure the ghost disease. They want to cure the ghost disease, but oh, again, like, just take a breath, talk to these people. Hank is probably willing to help cure the ghost disease, he says he is. But they're just like, nah, we're gonna go with the wife murder plan. Yeah, but Hank's a dick. Granted, I allow for that. You know, who's not a dick, though, is Janet. And they're just like, ah, whatever. Uh, Bill does have scenes with Ava where she's like, we, we gotta kidnap Cassie to, to get the stuff back. And he's like, no, if you do that, I'm gonna stop yeah. helping you. I don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> stop being a dick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, they you just leave them tied to the chair, but they do some action and escape. Etc. They get the thing back and they can turn on the portal, except the math's not quite right and it turns off just as soon as it turns on, but Janet's in Scott's head. Yeah, they're quantum entangled, so that means she can possess him sometimes. Yeah, like I, I really love Paul Rudd's uh, Janet Van Dyne. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Because, like, cause like, you can even just tell, like, the way he's holding himself is completely different. Yeah. It's wonderful. Paul Rudd, good actor. Also, the really good reveal that he's still holding Hank's hand. I will say, it, Paul Rudd does uh, convincingly play a different character, but because we have seen so little of Janet, it's hard to recognize well, yeah. it as Janet. He's kind of playing oh, a sure. generic loving wife. Yeah. Like, this would hit a lot better if we had seen enough of Janet to be able to recognize her tics. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, but yeah, she explains that... Yeah, the, the quantum probability matrix is only going to line up at this specific time and this specific place, and they have to be there and go into the quantum realm then if they want to save her. Uh, 
I think it'd be great if all of that's just BS and she was just like, get me out now. Listen, I'm so fucking tired. I'm just going to tell you a bunch of nonsense because I don't want you to delay this. I have not eaten a food in like 20 years. <laughs> I was thinking that only on this watch when they when they met up. I was like, how has she been eating? She hasn't been. <laughs> There's nothing to eat. Like you have to just assume, ah, time's screwy. That's why she hasn't starved to death. Oh, yeah, pen particles. Or, yeah, totally. like, space is screwy. That's why she doesn't asphyxiate. Yeah, no, it's it's all nonsense. Yeah, because she's smaller fine. than oxygen molecules now. That's true. That's true. She only needs, like, maybe maybe one or two oxygens. Just carry them around with her. A single oxygen is, like, thousands of times. She can live on an oxygen like it's a planet. Just munch on a little oxygen like a big strawberry. Oh, that'd be adorable. Right? She can't breathe, but every now and then she just kneels down and crunches on the ground, and she's fine. <laughs> that's also that's also why she uh, wants to leave quickly because she doesn't want anyone to have to watch her do her foul deeds of eating the very ground that she walks on. You don't want to watch me eat oxygen; it's weird. It's the sounds that it makes will haunt you. Uh, anyway, Louise calls Scott and is like, "We gotta get, we gotta go over the plans. We we forgot a thing. We have to fix it. Tell me where you are." And Scott tells them where they are. Yeah, just in time for Walter Goggins to come in with a bunch of thugs. Uh, he gets like one that has invented truth serum, but he's grumpy about calling it truth serum because that's Hollywood nonsense. No, see, this is very this is very important for continuity. You got to pay close attention here because he says that truth serum is just some bullshit you see on TV, uh-huh. which officially declares Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. non-canon. <laughs> uh, I, because it exists on TV? Yeah, there's a truth serum in S.H.I.E.L.D. and truth serum does not exist... Uh, apparently in this universe, so Shield cannot be canon. It does because once he gets, once he gets, uh, once he gets it in, he then says, "Oh my God, it's Truth Serum," and he was under the effects of Truth Serum, so we know that's true. Right, right. But this guy invented Truth Serum, so any previous Truth Serum to Ant-Man and the Wasp is proof that it's fictional in the context of the world. Uh, this is a fun place to like dump in Luis's bit from the first movie where he just like tells long nonsense stories. Because uh, he gets truth serumed, and, like, Russian guy is just like, oh, yeah, no, if you you put a dime in the jukebox, you gotta listen to the whole song as Luis just goes on <laughs> with his story. Which I do like implies that he does this, like, hourly. Oh, yeah. Like, every time he tells a story, it's like this. Uh, but yeah, he reveals, finally, eventually, where Scott is, and it turns out Ghost was invisible in the room the whole time. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, Scott's gotta get home, because Walter Goggins has a friend in the FBI who helps him get information. That's how he met Janet, and that's how he figured out who Hope was in the first place. Right, and Walter Goggins' whole thing is like, eh, it'll be easier to steal it from the FBI than to steal it from a ghost lady, so I'll just tell them where Scott is. And Scott finds this out, and he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I have to be home. Uh, the FBI is gonna go check on me immediately, and if they find that I'm not there, I am going to prison for, like, 20 years? So I gotta go by, and they act so hurt and betrayed by this. What is he doing right now? They're waiting for the time window to open. He's not useful right now anyway. <laughs> Why are you mad? Because he, cause he, cause he got him in trouble. But he didn't. Oh, oh, because he told uh, where Luis was. Sure, but they seem like they're mad that he's leaving. And like, yeah, you should also leave. You have nothing to do here right now. I gotta fix their calculations. They can, they can do that anywhere. 
What, you think this lab can just, like, shrink down and be carried around? Oh, right. I do! I do think that! Anyway, uh, yeah, they get caught by the FBI. Scott manages to just barely make it at home in time. His daughter, like, covers for him. Cool daughter. Uh, Which is great, because, yeah, yeah. fuck the police. Yeah, very glad that Scott has taught his daughter (laughs) the most important lesson, which is, uh, don't fucking talk to the cops. But, but, uh, Hank and Hank and Hope, they get caught. And Ghost steals the, the the luggage from the FBI man who's going to steal it for Walter Goggins. Right. And now Ghost has the dang building. She's going to, she is going to ring out Janet Van Dyne's tiny little quantum bod. And then Cassie has a little conversation with her dad where, where she's like, you know, it seems like you're Ant-Man again. How long has that been going on? You think you might need like a partner to watch your back? Maybe someone that's like a 10 year old girl? And then Scott looks her in the eyes and says, next time, baby. (laughs) They got a next time, baby, another girl in this movie. Oh, yeah, Cassandra Lang. Okay, yes. Yeah, she's she's a superhero. Yeah, so she got she got replaced in Quantumania. Yeah, like it couldn't be a thing where you set this up like at the two thirds mark of the movie. And then in the climax, she shows up. It has to be saved for the next one. This one I'm kind of fine with. She is like a nine-year-old girl. What's she going to do? Yeah, but she's cool. She is cool. I'm fine with it being a slow burn of her getting eventually, you know, if this continues to go on for another goddamn decade, she eventually becomes like a superhero. I'm fine with waiting on that one. I mean, there was that five-year jump. Oh, uh, yeah. I have not seen Endgame, so. But yeah, that's right. There's a, there's a. Wait, you haven't seen it at all? We're at the point where I am now seeing each of these movies for the first time for this podcast. That's wild to me. Uh-huh. And, like, uh, that's, I'm glad that you're finally watching them, but that's wild to me. Yeah, Endgame's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good, well, the podcast will be a good time. <laughs> the podcast will be a good time. <laughs> uh, Hank and Hope bust out of prison. They, they were going to do it the hard way, but then they ate it the easy way because Scott was able to get in and get them the suit. And they're shocked that Scott came back for them, almost as if he never abandoned you. He just had an extremely pressing personal matter that couldn't wait. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as he dealt with it, he'd be right back to help you with your problems, you ungrateful motherfuckers. He's a friend and ally who's trying to do his best. Maybe yeah. sometimes he messes up or makes a mistake, but he always tries to make it right. Yeah, I guess we don't we don't really talk about how much hope takes after Hank in that way. Right, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, then we get a cool, fun car chase. That maybe goes on slightly too long, but they do lots of cool, like, different gimmicks with it, and that makes it not so bad, and I enjoy it. They have a big Hello Kitty Pez dispenser. What more could you want? That was my favorite size content of this film, is when she threw yeah. a Pez dispenser and then threw a, a make a big juice at it to make it big. I also enjoyed that, but I did think when she saw the Pez dispenser, she was just going to launch Pez's out and grow them one by one. <laughs> just like, just flinging them out? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'd be pretty great. Louise does have a line from this film that I think about and quote the most, which is, What's up? You don't remember that beloved commercial? <laughs> that was the other honest-to-God laugh I got was, yeah, the was of itself, I was like, come on. But then as soon as he followed up with, well, you don't remember that beloved commercial? That, I, I, I laughed. <laughs> Good goof. I, I just love the concept of a, of a commercial being like a beloved cultural artifact. <laughs> What, like the Geico Cavemen? Like, it's true. There are many commercials which are beloved cultural artifacts. They're just not often talked about in that way. 
Right. Where's the beef, Crystal? Where's the beef? Uh, what's another one? So easy, I mean, there's to do it. There's just reams and reams of fucking like erotic fan art of flow from Progressive. Oh yeah, and Aaron Insurance. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna just do a Google search for Aaron Insurance kissing flow, and see what I get. Kissing flow from Progressive. And let's see what we got. Oh, wow. Well, first one was them kissing. Second one was them fucking. Mm. <laughs> Ernie Insurance uh, with a strap on and Flo bent over some surface. I was disappointed when they toned down Flo. She used to be a lot weirder. Uh-huh. Then they made her a little more normal. Just a little perky and eccentric. I refuse to have an opinion about an insurance commercial. Do you have an opinion about uh, AT&T Lady? AT&T Lady? She was she was the new flow for a while. Was she? I don't... Oh, oh yeah, I just remember seeing people talk about her, but I don't watch TV anymore, so I never really saw her. That's true. I haven't watched TV. I just saw it on YouTube commercials before I blocked ads on YouTube, which immeasurably <sighs> yeah. approved my life. I do love that I got I googled AT and T lady and one of the top results in the images is from a Pinterest called "Twenty uh, Two Hottest Photos of AT and T Ad Girl." Yeah, I, I one of the the first ones that I found was uh, t- talking about how uh, well she hides her breasts in the AT and T commercials. Oh uh-huh. my god! Uh. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what are we doing? We're talking about uh, the cultural artifacts of AT&T commercials. We're talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. And really, this movie is in such deep dialogue with the AT&T ad campaign that you can't analyze one without analyzing the other. That's true. Disney did give me a content warning when I started this film. They said uh, there's some mild language, some uh, cartoon violence, and some product placement. (laughs) I mean, yeah, honestly, I like having that as a content warning. Is that just like every Disney movie? Well, probably, yeah. Wait, was that really what it said? Yeah, it said there's product placement in this film. This film contains product placement. If I was like a parent, I might want to know if uh, like my kid's going to be tricked into watching commercials. Okay, but you're subscribed to Disney Plus. Sure. Everything's a commercial. <laughs> and I guess, but you know what I mean. There's a difference between like, I don't know, the Disney logo at the front and literally like, ah, I love to have a refreshing Mountain Dew. What about you, Ant-Man? Yeah, that's, that's true. We want to talk about product placement. We need to go to a Sonic the Hedgehog podcast. I actually don't. What is the product placement in this movie? Well, there was a Pez dispenser. Uh, I guess there's a Pez dispenser. Right, but like if that counts, isn't that every film? Yeah, that's just, well, that's yeah. Because I actually, I actually wonder if, it, if product placement is different than just like referencing a company. But also, when it comes to Hollywood stuff like that, they may actually just only show things like that if they're getting paid right i don't know yeah i I can see you're saying that if it's yeah if it's literally like a brand shows up in a few frames then like isn't that so broad as to be useless i I get where you're coming from with that yeah like like in the first one like the thomas the tank engine like that was funny whether or not it was thomas the tank engine so like that very well could have been this is the joke or hey we got product placement for Thomas the Tank Engine? Like, yeah. And also, uh, fucking Stan Lee's car gets shrunk and he thinks he's having an acid flashback. One of the better Stan Lee cameos. I do, I do like the idea also that it's not a reference to an acid flashback, that it's just like Stan Lee being like, well, I had fun writing some nonsense things. I invented a shrinking guy and now my shit gets shrunk. Ah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, like. 
Now they keep dragging me into all these movies. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I will say, because I won't be there for that one, I love Stanley's cameo in uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this car chase does go on a pretty long time. There's growing, there's shrinking. Uh, Michael Douglas is shrinking real tiny. Uh, so tiny. It kind of freaked me out when he's already like going quantum and then they shrink the building in which he's shrinking. But they don't comment on that at all. I never thought about that. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's like at that scale, they hardly even notice the change. I assume it's the kind of thing almost like if you're, if you were like moving at the speed of light and you threw a baseball, you would think it would go even faster, but going faster than the speed of light's impossible. Like that old, like weird, like mind fuck or whatever. Yeah. You can't shrink faster than the speed of shrink. Hank Pym, he he gets so small, he almost gets eaten by the tardigrades, but then his ship gets yeah. gets working again, so it gets even smaller, and he gets in the quantum realm. But the right. quantum realm is really hard on the minds, and how did they portray this? Michael Douglas just falls to his knees and yells, No! Yeah, they're not really too, uh, too like, uh, creative with the psychological effects of the quantum realm. Listen, there's there's so many other climaxes of this movie happening right now. We just got to get through. <laughs> Here's my biggest complaint with this movie is that, and I think a lot of the, the other complaints we said are totally valid, like Janet should be in the movie more. Sometimes the plot is a little, uh, listen, don't fucking think about it. My biggest issue is that it sets up all this stuff with Michael Douglas being a piece of shit who's like fucked over all of his old friends and colleagues and then he just kind of yeah but i got my wife back and everyone's happy so who cares like there's never any actual moment of like introspection he has to go through it feels like it's setting up for that and then it just kind of i don't know it's just like he's having this moment where he's, yeah he's breaking down he's having like the visions of everybody like ah oh, hey you really fucked up like you always do huh but then like instead of having a moment of character growth or having any realization uh, his wife shows up with her magic wife powers and heals his temples, and now he doesn't have to feel bad anymore. Oh, that's true. I mean, that is that is probably also not a great takeaway that this movie gives. It's okay. You can be an asshole as long as your wife takes care of everything right. and fixes it all. It's like that uh, beloved animated uh, GIF where the clown is throwing yes. knives at the husband. <laughs> right, Janet saves Hank from the problems clown. But the problem is that he is the problems clown. You can't, and like, that's, <laughs> that's, you, you gotta do something about that. We gotta do something about Hank, guys. <laughs> Hank's a goddamn problems clown. I just remember the scene in the first movie where, he, where we see de-aged Hank just like deck the dude. Anyway, yeah, uh, Scott gets real, real big in order to take the lab from uh, Walter Goggins, who got on a boat. Everyone's chasing everyone else. It's, it's a fun time. Turns out that, like, Hank has a whole, like, rack of Hot Wheels that are actually cars that you can grow. Hank also, he just likes making things small just for the fuck of it, which I appreciate about his character. What, like, regardless of whether it makes sense, and often it does... But that doesn't matter. He just thinks it's a fun fuck you to reveal that he had a tiny thing that he can make big whatever he wants. He definitely has the energy of a dad who's like really into his hobby that nobody else cares about. Yes, 100% except instead of like painting Civil War models, it's shrinking things. Uh, Tim Heidecker is the presenter on this boat, which is a fun cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also in Fan Stick. Oh, who oh, yeah? did he play in Fan Stick? He was Reed Richards' father oh, in the flashbacks. Weird. I just found that out when I was double-checking, because I was like, I think that was Tim from Tim and Eric, who was the, the boat guy. <laughs> Wanted to check that up. 
I like when uh, Big Ant-Man takes the luggage from Walter Goggins. He just kind of bullies him a little bit. Just kind of pushes him over with his finger. <laughs> right. And the whole crowd kind of reacts like, oh, like, oh, that was maybe a little much, man. Uh, but then, because of something they established earlier, he gets very sleepy, because you get real sleepy being big. It's true. You know, you're burning all them calories to keep your big giant body alive. Needs to get some orange slices. But wouldn't you also grow the food in your tummy, and that would be burning more calories? No, it's a, it's a square cube problem, you know, once you get to that size. Also, his legs should break, but that's a whole different thing. These movies do not get to invoke the square cube law. <laughs> They forfeited that right immediately. As soon, as soon as they said the word pim particles? Yes. Uh, but yeah, he like collapses into the water, uh, but Janet saves him. I don't know. Is there any specific things we need to call out here? I don't know. Seems like the film's over. Seems like they did it. Yeah, that's kind of... That's like, I see why you thought this was the end of the film. Right, yeah, I mentioned to you that I had to go make dinner, so I stopped after they got uh, Janet out of the quantum realm, and they were all hugging emotionally, and I thought I'd finished watching the movie, and then I had to, like, delay the podcast to finish watching it. I'm trying to remember what happens after that. <laughs> Not really, it all just wraps up. You know, Ghost gets, uh, Ghost also gets, uh touched by the magic wife powers, so she's okay now. Or, like, better. She's not healed, because they gotta go get more wife juice for her later. But, you know, she's doing better. Um, Scott makes it back home quick enough to get his ankle monitor taken off and not be arrested. Yeah. You know, I, sh- I sure hope that Ghost was, like, snapped by Thanos. Otherwise, like, she's probably dead. Because she didn't get any more wife juice. Oh, that's true. If she doesn't get snapped, she's... Yeah, that's a good point. So, like, she the only way that she would survive, then, is if she got snapped. Yeah, see, that's what Doctor Strange saw, because ghosts will be very important in Avengers 5. Right. Oh, so important. 16 million to 1. Yeah. I do love the acting Michelle Pfeiffer does when Ghost goes to suck the wife juice out of her, and she just has to sit in a chair and be like... It's the one bit of acting they asked her to do, and she clearly did not care enough to do a good job. Do you think we will ever see Ghost or Bill Foster again? I hope so. Yeah, I would also hope so. I would like it. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta Larry Fishburn, like, you use him. Yeah, they've gotten other guys that they haven't used, though. Well, that, I mean, they've, they've also announced, like, a billion projects coming up right so surely they're gonna jam in somewhere hell they got jimmy woo and uh the like funny sidekick girl from thor to be in wandavision they've kind of locked themselves out of ever doing like a fun prequel about goliath because like they're that would just star a dh lawrence fishburne and you can deal with the dh characters for like a scene i don't know if i could be okay with an entire movie of like fake CG young Lawrence Fishburne. You know what I mean? Ooh. Well, now I can't wait to tell your guys' next episode. Oh, right, yeah. I guess that's going to be the real <laughs> testament for that, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that is... You just described D.H. Nick Fury. I feel like if you're going to do that with anybody, though, Samuel L. Jackson has aged in a way that I feel like he kind of... His face just sort of stopped changing at a certain point. He's like 80 I and think, he looks like I he's 50, the- you know? Like, I think the de-aging looks really good in Captain Marvel because, like, yeah, very quickly you just accept that that is what Sam Jackson looks like. And then you see, like, a modern picture of him and you're like, what the fuck? How old did he get? In some ways, though, it's almost more upsetting to me if they can nail the de-aging that well because, I don't know, that 
something about that just creeps me out. <laughs> that they have not announced Bill or Ava for Quantumania. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. I mean, if they did show up, it'd be like cameos. Yeah, but like they don't get a lot to do in this film, but what they do have is, is pretty all right. I agree. That's the story of Marvel, baby. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Everyone lives happily ever after. Is there anything specific we need to, to hit on? Well, ex- well, they don't, though. Well, right. Very, very pointedly, they don't. Yeah, this story gets all wrapped up. Everybody gets what they want. It's all great. And then every fucking person gets snapped except for Scott. Which I I really like that moment. Hey, here's a question. Why didn't they send them in with the Grow Big disc? Yeah, because his whole thing is he gets stranded in the quantum realm because they all got snapped so they can't pull him back. Yeah, but now they don't need to. They have they're they're all standing right there. What's the worst that's gonna happen? It just seems like maybe you want a failsafe though. Yeah. It seems like a very easy failsafe. They trained the rat. Oh, you don't know that yet. They trained a rat. It's a whole thing. The rat saves the day. It's fine. Wow, that's how they that's how they resolve that, huh? Okay. <laughs> Why did they train an ant? That's their thing. <laughs> well, they didn't train the rat. It's just a like rat walks on some buttons. What? And that's what brings Scott back later. What the fuck is Endgame? <laughs> Endgame is wild, and I'm, like, a little envious that you're going to get to go into that I... fresh. Because it's, I think, even more so than the first Avengers, I think Endgame is an excellent movie to watch as part of an MCU marathon. Sure. Because it is very much fan service, the movie. Right. But... As a fan, I enjoy being serviced. I mean, I've, I've seen, like, the climax of Endgame with all my favorite Democrat politicians pasted over the heroes, so I, I, I basically get it. I love that video so much. <laughs> I have that video saved on my phone. I just, I just love it when Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders team up to, to beat up Thanos Trump. I think the, the funniest snap scene they could have done is if only Janet dies. <laughs> I, that was... My prediction going into the movie was that they were going to get Janet back and then immediately she was going to die. Like, she was going to get snapped. Um, I, so I was I was not expecting all three of them <laughs> to, to go. I remember this scene pissed some people off. Yeah, I, I to me, they're so wanton with just the death of the snap. I'm like, okay, obviously all of this is getting undone. Who fucking cares? Sure, kill everybody. What do I care? It's just a weird note because this is otherwise supposed to be like the feel-good family uh, Marvel movie. They got a happy ending. Right. Everyone's back. Oh, you wanted to that's stick true. around for the mid-credits? We're going to end on a bummer. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, and we talked about it on the Infinity War episode, but like, you can't announce a Spider-Man 2 and then expect me to be, uh, to buy it when you kill off Spider-Man. Well, that's what I... What's funny is I completely, when it came to Infinity War, I thought that it was going to be the other way around, uh-huh. that all of the original Avengers would get snapped. Yeah. Like, I thought that they were going to end Infinity War with a snap with no intention of undoing it. Uh, yeah. Like, I thought that's how they were going to pass the torch. Well, without getting into endgame spoilers, they, like, the original five all do kind of end up, like, not around anymore, right? Uh, yeah, I don't want to say much about that, but, yeah. like, ultimately, ultimately, yes, but, like, it, it then becomes, it makes Endgame more the original Avengers movie, because it's the the ones that are left trying to, trying to undo everything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which, I, I, ultimately, is the correct way to do that, but, um, yeah, I remember at the time, because even before Infinity War came out, like, I don't think most 
any like non comics people knew that Thanos was gonna do that. Right. Like that was I remember some of my friends who like love the MCU but like don't know anything about the comics, like just were absolutely floored by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um whereas like, yeah, for like nerds and people who like watch lots of movies and know how stories and stuff work, we're like, well yeah, obviously, but I was I was remember in theaters still just being like shocked and amazed that they did it. Because I was like, you can't, like, you have to do the snap. But you can't do the snap, right? Like, so Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Sam, what is your grade for Ant-Man and the Wasp? Um, you know, after this discussion, I think I'm going to be a little harsher on it. I, I think I'm going to go, go like, C+. Okay. Uh, only because, yeah, I think structurally, like, as fun as the movie is, and I, like... Yeah, like, because the first movie had pim particles and whatever. Like, like I said, I'm totally willing to buy into some techno babble nonsense. But like, I think yeah, structurally, this movie was not like yeah, like all of the uh, time constraints that were artificially added on. Like, yeah, all right, that's fair. So yeah, I think I think I can C plus for me. Luke, what are you thinking? I'm definitely thinking somewhere in the C plus B minus range. Um, like I said, I the action sequences in this movie are fun, and I like them. There's a lot of cool shrinking stuff that happens, and that's you know I'm a sucker for that. Uh, but it would have also been nice if they had cut out some of that in order to make more room for character work that I think the movie kind of is missing. Um, but like I had a perfectly fine time watching it. I wasn't angry pretty much at yeah. any time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more than I can say for a good third of these movies, so... What's what's been your least favorite? Uh, right now, the bottom of my list is Thor The Dark World. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, aside from that, you know, like, we don't include the Bible on best-selling books. Uh, I'll, I'll, obviously, I'll, Thor The Dark sure, World. Sure, oh yeah, I'll give you the list <laughs> from the bottom up here. Worst one, Thor The Dark World. Next up, Infinity War. Next up, wow. Age of Ultron. Uh, then Winter Soldier. Uh, then Incredible Hulk. Man, you went so quiet when I said Winter Soldier. Like it's just it's it's wild to me. There's a really good like, elevator fight in it. Love the elevator fight. I, I'm gonna have to listen to that episode. I'm gonna need to see what you say I, about that like, movie. I, my memory is that I watched that movie and enjoyed it, and then talked myself into hating it throughout that episode. <laughs> oh, so kind of like what I did with this, movie. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I came in like, I'm going to be the harshest defender of this movie. Oh, there are a lot of flaws. Hmm. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I'll say B minus just to stick it to our guest and be more positive about a Marvel movie. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, should I change mine now? Just to spite you, <laughs> Sam. A person I've known for an hour and 40 minutes. I think I might be the most negative on this film. I would give it a, a, a C. Same as The Incredible Hulk. This is just, uh, it feels like eating a bag of popcorn. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, that was a, that was a decently entertaining Yeah, but film. The Incredible Hulk is like eating a bag of like uncooked popcorn. It's it's like a full, well, at least it's not as bad as Thor The Dark World, which is like eating a bag of, like a full bag of airline peanut, like uh, pretzels. Oh, Thor The Dark World is better than this film. Yeah, yeah, Crystal's the Thor The Dark World defender. I, there are a lot of things I love, like, like I said, there are a lot of things I love about Thor I The like Dark World. I like that one scene we talked about with Chris Evans. I That's it. That one's, oh, it's so good. I don't good. know why Thor The Dark World has developed the reputation as the really bad one, because I remember at the time, it was, like, not super well received, but it wasn't considered, like, heads and shoulders worse than all the others. 
I think I think its its biggest issue was it like Marvel had already kind of had a little bit of a villain problem at that point. Like like the villains just were okay. Like you know Marvel's been like that for a while. Like outside of Loki. Um, like their villains aren't as good as their heroes usually, but Malekith in Dark World was, ooh, ooh, I just had a post on Facebook, like an old memory of mine where I said the most pretentious thing I've ever said in my life. And I still believe it, but it was about Thor the Dark World. Oh yeah, it was about, it was Malekith was, uh, archetypical to the point of featurelessness. Right. He's just evil guy. (laughs) Yeah. And like... I mean, Chris Eccleston did the best he could. Sure. I, I don't fault the actor. Oh, yeah. Well, then Marvel villains, even the bad ones, they always get really good actors to play them, so it doesn't really yeah. matter that much. They, they hired him to stand at the window of a spaceship and snarl menacingly, and he did that. And and also not speak English for most of it. And when I watched it for um, uh, that part of that marathon that I did, even though it was after Avengers, we watched them for a while... Um, we, we ended up watching Thor The Dark World, uh, with a, uh, a rip that didn't have subtitles, like hard-coded, and so it didn't even have the Dark Elf subtitles. Jeez. So, we, we were, like, halfway through the movie before we realized, like, oh, these are supposed to be subtitled, I think. Oh, you missed all the Dark Elf lore? Well, the most, except all their lore is said by Odin. The thing that, you know, the stuff that Chris Eccleston just says is just like, oh, now our time is coming. Elf, elf, dark light, whatever. You missed all the lore about the curse potion. Yeah, that probably. Yeah, because I the don't. What? Even remember I've that. watched this movie. What the fucking curse potion are you talking about? The curse potion. The curse takes to become the curse. You. Yeah, I mean, I knew what you're talking about. I just. Don't I don't know what you're talking about. What the fuck do you? They like fought in a tornado. Okay, so you. Uh huh. Who is played by Mr. Echo from Lost? But you would never recognize him. Sure, I yeah. And he takes the curse potion and he becomes like a a, a fucked up monster guy. Then he's called Curse. Okay, I'll yeah, I'll trust you that that, that happened in that movie. It's ooh. Also, Thor: The Dark World had those sweet like black hole grenades. Like those were rad as hell. What if you shot a grow big serum at the black hole grenade? Then you'd have a real big black hole. Don't do that. I think that's we've come to the end of the podcast. There's no questions this time because I forgot to ask for any. <laughs> whatever there's not that much to chew on in this film this is just like it's entertainment no, yeah it, it's entertainment it's it's kind of just a string of action sequences with jokes and they're pretty good action sequences and pretty good jokes i would like if there was a little more meat on the bone but eh, i i expect so little of these movies these days <laughs> sam is there anything you would like to plug uh, oh, to plug? No. Well, I mean, unless you want to go watch those super old videos of me talking about the Marvel movies. There's uh, the Two Fat Guys, or yeah, Two Fat Guys show on YouTube is, is us, and uh, they're real low quality and uh, not great to watch. How was that plug? I feel like that went really well. <laughs> Especially the end where I said, don't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> Luke, you got something to plug? Uh, yeah, sure. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. You can find other podcasts that do an audio entropy, such as Common Repriser Forze. We're watching through all of Common Rider Forze. We're at about the halfway point now. That's a good show. Better superhero stories than, like, 90 to 100% of the MCU. Uh, and also, you can find uh, me on Idle on Playtest, an actual play podcast where I run two different RPG campaigns which release episodes in alternating weeks in order to playtest Eidolon, become your best self, 
an RPG that me and my friend Molly wrote, inspired by Persona and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Crystal, you're on that also. Yeah, it's a great show. Listen to it. It's a good time. I got emotionally exhausted just listening to all that stuff you do. <laughs> That's... Every time yeah. I plug Common Repriser Forze on the Book of Medora, Cameron refuses to believe that's a real podcast name. What? Why? Because <laughs> it's a silly name. Yeah, that's what's great about it. We what, what all we had? It was originally Totally Reprise, where we covered all the Totally Spies. Right, then that podcast ended, and you started a new podcast. Right, because we finished. And then we started Reprise Kids, <laughs> where we talked about the Spy Kids movies. And that show ended, and... I yeah. need to watch the Spy Kids movies. I've not seen a single one. They're uh, they're pretty batshit. <laughs> that's the, like that's why I wanted to watch yeah. them. Like I've heard nothing but crazy things. They're about wild. Them. And then we did. Oh my God, uh, wait, I do have something to plug. What's that? Oh, go ahead. I forgot. Well, kind of. It's not my thing, but I was on it. Yeah, yeah. I was I guessed on another podcast called Trash Watch, uh, which is just it started as a podcast that where they watched bad movies, mm-hmm. but then that restriction kind of lifted. Now it's just a movie podcast. Uh, I know, crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But I was just on an episode where we watched uh, Surf Ninjas from the early 90s, nice. which is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, what else have we done? We did a lot of, like, because we did a lot of short shit, because we watched six goddamn seasons of Totally Spies and got tired of it. So we just wanted <laughs> shorter shows to watch for a while. What did we... Oh, we did Life is a Reprise Way, where we talked about all the Cars movies. <laughs> uh, the loveliest reprise of all, where we covered Over the Garden Wall. Oh, that's so yeah, good. Yeah, good, good show. And uh, The Repriser, where we talked about The Prisoner. That's a way worse title than Common Repriser Forze. I can't believe you've done, like, six separate podcasts with Ashley and Molly. <laughs> yeah, it definitely hasn't all just been the same podcast that we keep changing the title of. <laughs> Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Arcane Crystal. I'm also on Eidolon Playtest. Uh, Let's Plays happen sometimes. Sometimes. That's a show about scientifically and objectively ranking every video game according to its quality. And also there's the Book of Medora, where a podcast I'm on where we talk about Zelda games and also whatever we want because we finished talking about all the Zelda games. <laughs> Let's end with a joke. Thor the Dark World. Oh, that's a good that's Bam! A good <laughs> Him particles. Uh, this joke comes in from funkidsjokes.com slash ant dash dash man dash jokes. Okay. Perfect. Ants. What dance do Ant-Man and Wasp do together? The jitterbug. Yeah, actually. Yeah! You win. <laughs> I did it! You're the winner. What do I win, Crystal? Perfect. The end of the show. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Bye.